Those of us who read the Bible will know that the first mention of the word worship in Scripture is in Genesis at chapter 22, around verse 5, when God calls Abraham to go up to Mount Moriah and sacrifice his uniquely born son, Isaac. And Abraham saddles his donkey and takes his men with him. And when they get to the site where God wants the sacrifice to take place, he tells the young men, stay here while me and the boy go yonder to worship. Abraham willingly offers up the treasure of his heart, his own son, Isaac to God Almighty. In biblical hermeneutics, which is how you interpret the scripture, under the first mention principle, God indicates a truth that stands in his mind that is unalterable. Therefore, we see now from Genesis 22 and throughout scripture that biblical worship always involves an element of sacrifice. The true meaning of worship is so distinct that although prayer and praise may contain an element of worship, each are something altogether different. We might think that if we pray, we've worshiped or if we praise, we've worshipped. But prayer and praise are elements of worship, but it's not really worship. Prayer is the obsession of the soul with its needs. Prayer is always, Lord, give me. Praise is the obsession of the soul with its blessings. Praise is always saying, Lord, thank you for answering my needs. But worship is not about needs, nor thanking God for the needs that he's met. Worship is an obsession of the soul with God himself. Worship says, Lord, thank you not for what you give, but for who you are. You are indescribably holy. You are indefatigably mercy. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your eminence. Thank you for your transcendence. 
Thank you that you are everything I need. Thank you that even when I don't need anything, you are right there ready to provide. Thank you, oh God, not for waking me up. Thank you that if I didn't get up, you're still God. Thank you that even if you don't provide what I ask, you're still God. Thank you that even though you may not come through as I think you ought to, I still come to church and thank you that you're God by yourself. Our elders down in Louisiana put it like this. He's so high, you can't get over it. He's so low, you can't go under him. He's so wide, you can't go around him. So you have to come in through the door. As we grow in the knowledge of God's word and commune with him in prayer, we further develop in our hermeneutics or our interpretation of scripture from first mention principle to progressive principle. Progressive principle, meaning we grow into understanding what God's progressive will is. This does not suggest that God has changed his mind. The believer is just growing in understanding and coming to know and appreciate God even more. God is not becoming more God, you're becoming more of a believer. And so when you become more of a believer, your heart starts to sing like that Shulamite woman in the Song of Solomon when she says he is the fairest of 10,000 angels. And we proclaim like that Shulamite woman, he is altogether lovely. We sing it around here sometimes. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful, Jesus, my Lord. He is the mighty king, the master of everything. His name is wonderful, Jesus, my Lord. He is my savior, the rock of all ages. Almighty God is he. Bow down before him, love and adore him. He hasn't given us anything yet. We are just adoring him for who he is. He hasn't answered any prayer. He's just God in heaven sitting on his throne. He has not come to my rescue. He's not delivered me from anything. I'm just sitting with him, worshiping for who he is. Uh, I've mentioned this to you before. Uh, I was down home yesterday and I went and visited with my ancestors and sat down with my grandmother and my mother and father and uh, my brothers, all I, this is about all I have down there is graves when I go down to visit. And I, was, I sat down with my grandmother who I love in her grave. And I remember growing up that I'd get up early in the morning and go thread her needles because she was a seamstress. And uh, I'd make sure she had everything that she needed lined up before I went to school. And when I came back from school, I'd go and do my homework and eat. And then I'd go in the shop and stay with mama till 11, 12 o'clock at night. And uh, she would make me seven-up floats. Uh, every time I see a seven-up, I just get happy. And uh, 
she'd get some, some sherbet ice cream and make me a seven-up float. And every day when I got home from school, I had a seven-up float that mama had made for me. Sit down with her all day long, all night. She said, you got to go find you some friends your own age. You're going to start smelling like an old woman if you keep hanging around in here. Uh, I, I like the smell of Estee Lauder perfume because mama used to wear Estee Lauder perfume. And I'd be with her all the time. And Christmas time, she'd go to the store and get gifts and she'd give everybody their gift. And she'd say, Terry, come by. Mama got something for you. And, and my sister Gwen, who was always messy, still messy now at 65 years old. <laughs> Gwen would say, Mama, why you, why you give us a gift and you always got something extra for Terry? She said, uh, first of all, it's my money. And, and I do what I want with it. But she said, I, I, I do something extra for Terry because he come talk to me when he don't want nothing. He come and sit with me when he don't want nothing. And if you want God to bless your life, why don't you just sit with him when you don't want nothing? God, I don't need a blessing. I just want to thank you for what you've already done. God, I'm not looking for a way out. I'm looking for just some time to let you know how glad I am that you saved me from my sin. Yeah. God has given us the gift of salvation and eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. So worship is our gift back to him for all that he has done for us. And in the lesson this morning, God tells his people how they should approach him. This text is a call to worship for Israel in the institution of the feast of first fruits. When they were settled in the land and began to reap harvest, they were to take the first portion and bring it to the Lord as an offering of thanksgiving and worship. Biblical worship, brothers and sisters, always involves an element of sacrifice. That's I hold you too long this morning. If you're going to really worship today, you've got to come before God with appreciation. In order to worship with appreciation, the believer has to be moved from the phenomenal to the meditative. From the phenomenal, from, from the immediate experience of a phenomenon to the narrative or to the meditation of God's historical acts of kindness. Not just worshiping God for what he delivers today, but remembering what God delivered 30 years ago. Worship is more than gathering to sing or to pray or to hear a sermon. Worship has its foundation in a heart that is filled with love for God for what he's already done. Verses 5 through 8, and I don't have time to read it, just read it when you get home. Verses 5 through 8, 
he talks about how God redeems them. Appreciation has to do with redemption. Uh, in the Mishnah, the Mishnah, which is the beginning of the Jewish Talmud, in the Mishnah, which is a 200-year collection of the oral uh, laws and traditions of the, of the Jewish people, every generation of Jew must view him or herself as if they personally came out of Egypt through the Red Sea. They, they were generations away from the Red Sea experience, but they worshiped God like he just delivered them. Somebody missed that. They were hundreds and hundreds of years removed from Egypt land, but every time they worship with the first fruits, they worship like God delivered them this morning. And brothers and sisters, black folk used to worship like that. Because we had a connection to our history that made us praise God with enthusiasm. Those old people in my yesterdays worshiped God with a loud voice because many of them were not too many years removed from slavery. They were not too many years removed from back doors and legislation that said to them, you do not matter. Dressing rooms that they could not even go dress and find themselves in. They could buy the clothes, but they couldn't try them on. They had to walk in the back door and get off the sidewalk when white folk passed by. But God brought them through all of that and they were nobody Monday through Friday. But on Sunday, a strange dignity caught them. And they shouted in their churches, over my head, I hear music in the air. There must be a God somewhere. And here we are with two cars in the garage, money in the bank, a 401k when we retire, God's been good to you. You got a job to go to in the morning. And you act like you don't even know who kept you. Is there anybody here? Is there anybody here who knows that it was nobody? You didn't make it because you went to college. You didn't make it because your mother and father were in the same house with you. You made it because God kept you. This, I want to get right here. I, I want to get right here. Worship when it's real and true. It's not just redemption, it's restoration. Not only is worship looking back to where God brought you from, but it's looking around to what God brought you to. Because all of us came from somewhere. But not all of us can shout about what God brought us to. And then some of us can shout about what God brought us through. 
And then some of us can shout about not what God brought us from or God brought us through or God brought us to, but we can shout about what God kept us from. You're not a deaconess because you got this white dress on. You could have been a prostitute. But God kept you from that. You're in this church this morning as a deacon. Not because you're better than a drug addict. God kept you from that. I don't just shout about what I've come to. Or what I've come through. Or where I come from. But I shout over what God has kept me from. Uh, and then God brought them to a place that had nothing to do with them as a nation. His redemption, his, his restoration emanates and, and culminates rather in the rewards that God brings. He, he told Moses in his valedictory address to the children of Israel, that uh, Moses is soon going to be taken from them. And uh, when Moses is gone, God says to Moses, in your farewell address, uh, in your valedictory address, remind these people of something they are prone to forget. I wish I had a Bible reading. He said, you're going to get to houses that you didn't build. You're going to come up on vineyards that you didn't plant. You will get to wells that you didn't dig. You are about to get your hands on a plenty. And the danger is once you get a plenty, you are prone to forget who brought you. Somebody ought to help me preach right here. And, 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 and they forgot. Moses is dead. God calls Joshua because Moses' bones are buried where nobody even knows where his grave has been. And God calls Joshua the son of Nun and said, take these people across the Jordan. And where the feet of your feet, where, your, where the sole of your feet pass, I will give you good success. Be strong, be courageous. Joshua brought them, and in all of that God had done for them, they forgot. Now Joshua is getting ready to go. And Joshua calls them to an assembly, and he gives them his valedictory. He says, I don't know what gods you going to serve. You might serve the gods on the other side of the flood, the God of the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites and the Perizzites, or you might serve the God in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And if God's been good to you, I don't care what the world is doing. I don't care what the culture is doing. I don't care what your friends are doing. If God wakes you up, you need to come to church. 
I'm trying to hurry. But, but not only is true worship about appreciation. True worship is about how you approach God. How you approach God. Um, Her Majesty, Queen Elizabeth II, is culminating a celebration this weekend of her 70th year on the throne of England. She is the sovereign of the British crown. Several countries around the world look at her as the titular head of state. She is right now the reigning monarch of a thousand year dynasty of the House of Windsor. And Queen Elizabeth II, Her Majesty the Queen, is celebrating her 70th jubilee. She's 95, 96 years old. She's frail in poor health now. But, but you don't just walk up and say, hey, uh, Queenie. How's it going, Your Majesty? No, you don't just come up in the, queen, in the queen's face. And, and, and if you are, are, are have an opportunity to even get an audience with her, that's what it's called, an audience with her, you have to curtsy and bow down. And then she has to summon you to come close to her, but don't touch her. Because you don't just approach the queen like you feel like it. God says, when you come to worship, watch how you walk here. Watch how you sit here. Watch the expression on your face when you come here. Because you are not necessary. Somebody ought to help me preach it. Because if you kept your mouth closed, somebody's going to praise God. Be careful how you approach him because this passage teaches us that worship is about your attitude. Are you grateful? Are you obedient? Are you humble? Because everything you have, everything you used to be, everything you hope to be, is in God's pure hand of grace. And if he moves his grace from you this morning, God can stop you from being blessed. Don't you think because you got it going on, it's going to keep on going on. God is looking at your attitude. And if your attitude is one of arrogance, if your attitude of one is one of disobedience, just like God blessed you, he can take it away from you and give it to the person you think least deserves it. I'm through. But when you worship, it's not just about appreciation. 
It's not just about your approach. It's about adoration. The Israelite worshiper did not come before the Lord with a petition on his lips, but with a gift in his hand. He was giving the Lord, he was giving the Lord back what the Lord had already given him as a symbol of his love for God and all that God had done for him in his life. David in 1 Chronicles 29, 14 says, For all things come of thee, and of thine hand have we given thee. So when you come before God to worship, there's, there's a way that you ought to approach him, of course. But then when you come before God to worship, it's not about getting a prayer answered. It's not even about thanking God for a prayer answer. Adoration is the rarest gift that God gives the believer to come into his presence and to thank him for just being God. And when you thank him for just being God, you learn how to put your needs aside and just thank him for another day. Somebody here is glad you got a car, but I'm glad I got a savior. You glad you got a house, but you ought to be more glad that you have a redeemer. You glad that you got some clothes, but thank God for good health. You glad you got a freezer full of food, but thank God you got an appetite to eat that food. You're glad you're feeling pretty good. You can move, you can dress yourself, but thank God that it could be so much worse. Now, if God hasn't done anything for you, I encourage you to go back to sleep. Don't listen to another word that I have to say. If God hasn't done anything for you, you have my permission to go back to sleep. I know you woke up early this morning. You're still kind of sleepy. The sermon is lasting a little long. God hasn't done anything for you last week, so just go right back to sleep. I'm not talking to you. I'll try to catch you next Sunday if I can. But I'm talking to somebody in here this morning who know God has done for you what you could never have done for yourself. God has kept you in a way that you should have been dead and in your grave. But God has been so good to you. I say God has been so good to you. God has shown such favor to you. God has opened doors that were closed in your face. God has made folk give you a job that you didn't even qualify for. God made them provide for you when they'd been talking about you behind your back. God made your enemy your footstool. God raised up some friends for you when you were about to make a foolish decision. God sent somebody to give you some sound advice. God no longer has to open the Red Sea. God no longer has to send down manna from heaven. God no longer has to send Jesus to die on the cross. I just thank God because he woke me up this morning. 
I give God the glory because he started me on my way. Is there anybody here? No, God has done something for you. Is there anybody here? Not too proud to tell God thank you. You're not too arrogant to tell God thank you. You used to be a sinner, but God saved you. You used to be lost, but God redeemed you. You used to be on your way to hell, but God turned you around. Tell him thank you for all you've done for me. I need a real praiser this morning. I said I need a real praiser this morning. Who don't care who's looking at you. You don't care what they say on Facebook. You don't care how they talk about you. God has answered your prayers. God got your son off of drugs. God delivered you from a sickness. God put food on your table. And right now is the time. Right here is the place to tell God thank you for what you've already done. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't do anything else, he's already done more than enough. Has he been good to you? Has he made a way for you? Has he put a smile on your face? A song in your heart? Joy in your soul? Can you tell him thank you for being good to me? Thank you for letting Jesus be born in Bethlehem. Thank you that he healed the sick. He raised the dead. Thank you he gave sight to the blind. He made the lame to walk. Thank you that one Friday on a hill called Calvary, he died. Didn't he die? But uh, Sunday morning, is there anybody here? No, he got up Sunday morning with all power in his hands. Why don't you look at somebody? I know you can't touch him right now, but why don't you look at somebody? Tell them you don't know like I know what the Lord, what the Lord, what the Lord. I know he's all right. Savior for me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. I need some real worshipers. I need some real worshipers. I need some glad worshipers to tell him thank you. Thank you. You delivered me. Thank you. You rescued me. Thank you. 
you sought me you bought me thank you I know he's alright I'm not, I'm not shouting now for what he's given me. And he's given me more than I can ever deserve. I'm not shouting now from where he brought me from. Because you should have seen that little house I was raised in in Eunice. I'm not, I'm not shouting over what he kept me from. Because some of my friends are dead and in their grave. I'm shouting over who he is. He's a rock in a weary land. He's a shelter in a time of storm. He's a friend when you're friendless. Bread when you're hungry. He's water in dry places. Distinctive in supernatural capacity. Superlative in sovereign majesty. Exclusive in spiritual beauty. Radiant in eternal splendor. Matchless in supernal deity. He's the God of gods. He's the prince of princes. He's the fairest of 10,000. He's a bright morning star. Hallelujah! To the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The choir will give us now a song of invitation. And our brothers are standing, our evangelism people are in the aisles. For somebody here who does not have a relationship with our Christ, you don't know him as your Savior or your Lord, one of these persons who are in the aisles will hold your hand. They can walk with you, but they can't walk for you. You've got to get up from your seat and acknowledge, I want to be a Christian. I want to come on the Lord's side and live. And maybe you are already a Christian, but you're not affiliated with a church. You don't have a pastor. You don't have brothers and sisters in Christ. You've got some good Christian friends who go to church, but you have not yet made a commitment. Why don't you do it right now? God bless you. I see you coming. His name. Do it this morning. God bless you. His name is wonderful, Jesus. He is the mighty King. God bless you. I see you coming. That's right. Do it right now. Master of everything. His name is wonderful. Jesus Today, today is the day of salvation Seek the Lord, the Bible says While he may yet be found Call on him while he's yet near I see you coming dear, God bless you Welcome to Lily Grove We are glad to have you 
somebody else has been thinking about it, it's been on your mind, do it now. Tomorrow, the next Sunday, the next 10 minutes, could be everlasting too late. His name? Jesus. just thinking in your mind I want to join that church but it's a long way to drive you're here now or if you're watching us online and you're not affiliated with the church and there's not a church in your area perhaps or maybe you're still quarantined because of the, the virus you can partner with us you can become a part of us through what we are going to organize in a number of days that although you are in South Africa or you're in Great Britain or you're in South America, people watch us in Caracas and people watch us in Jamaica. Uh, they've been trying to get me to come to revival in Jamaica for the longest. You think I'm not going to Jamaica for revival? But, but we, are, we are watched all over the world and so there are persons who are physically unable to be with us because of distance but they can partner with us in what we're going to organize in a number of days to help them become a part of our Lily, Lily Grove Global Initiative. But you're not in South America, you're in here. Just get up from your seat right now and come on and give the Lord your life. God has blessed you in so, so many ways with so, so many things. How can you not serve a God who loves you like that? Anybody. Listen, anybody who loves me enough to die for me is worthy of my hallelujah. He loved me so much that he went to the cross. He became sin for us who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Whoever you are, wherever you've been, you might think that your sins are so many God can't save you. Your sins will never go deeper than God's grace. Your, your past will never go further than God's goodness. Because every saint in here has a past. And every sinner in here has a future. Because Jesus Christ is mighty to save. Jesus, he's a great singer, 
rock of all ages, almighty God is He. Bow down before last word and I'm through. If Governor Abbott were to come into this church this morning, out of deference for who he is, I would rise to my feet to greet him. If President Biden were to come into this sanctuary this morning, I would get up out of my seat to greet him. Because he is the president of the United States. Governor Abbott is the governor of the state of Texas. And because of their title and position, they are due deference. But if Jesus were to walk into this church this morning, I would not get out of my seat. I'd fall down on my knees. And tell him, thank you for all you've done for me. Bow down and worship him. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. His name is wonderful. Isaiah said he's a, a mighty counselor, a prince of peace. He's the great shepherd, the rock of all ages, almighty. An invitation has been extended, and as always, it is yours either to receive or to reject. Let's give God the glory for these who have joined us today.